Throughout the Mondays of April, I'll be preaching a brief series of homilies on being at sea with Jesus. Our text today is Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. Hear the word of the Lord. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Holy God, we ask that you would allow us to find ourselves in this narrative that we might discover more of the great holy narrative of your salvation. We ask it in the name of the Savior. Amen. It had been a long day, another long day. Jesus and the disciples had been caring for the crowds as they brought him lepers and paralytics and blind people and and those who were out of their minds with demons. Then after all of that healing, Jesus then began to teach the crowd with one parable after another after another. When evening came, he said to the disciples, come, now let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, in other words, exhausted. So Jesus goes to the stern of the boat, the place where the captain sits, and he falls asleep, exhausted. While they are at sea, a great storm begins to develop. We're told that the, the, the clouds grew dark, the, The winds began to blow, the waves began to crash against their little boat, and the disciples were terrified. Now remember, these these are fishermen. This is certainly not their first storm at sea. This must have been a doozy to make them think they were going to die. We can imagine the disciples frantic with activity, trying to pull down the sails, trying to bail the water out of the boat, trying to steer this little boat into the storm. And somebody looks over at the guy asleep in the captain's chair and says, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is the first of three fascinating questions in this little text. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
You've all been in this storm. You will be again. Maybe not at sea. But some storm has, will overtake your life. And it'll always come when you're exhausted. You get a phone call late one night. The news is bad, real bad. A parent has died. A spouse has chosen not to come home. A loved one received a medical report and the news is very bad. Sky grows dark. The winds begin to blow and the waves of adversity crash into the little ship called your life. Like the disciples, you will do all that you can to steer your way out of this storm. You will double your resolve. You will try harder. You will make changes. But it will soon become apparent to you that you cannot make this storm go away. And no matter what you do, you can't save yourself. And so you're going to echo this question. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? This last year, our country has seen the storms of racism and sexism blow across the land again. And now it's even made its way into the lunacy of the presidential primary rhetoric. We are stunned by this. We, we can't believe that we've made such little progress. We fret over what this says about us as a people. And those of us who gather in places of worship and pray, we have to cry out, teacher, don't you care about us? Isn't it time to get up and do something about this? Obviously, we can't. Don't you care? Notice the question isn't Jesus, can you do something about this? The disciples had seen what Jesus could do. The question is, Jesus, do you care? Are you going to get involved? And in response to their lament, the Savior rises up. I love this image. He rises up and he calms the storm. Peace be still. Jesus does not prevent the storm. He never prevents the storms. But he rises up as the Savior in the midst of the storm. Then Jesus asks his own questions. He asks the disciples, why were you afraid? Have you no faith? Why, why are we afraid? Jesus, have you seen the Syrian refugees? Jesus, are you aware that African-American teenagers are afraid of their police? Jesus, have you seen the, the, the ruins in Brussels and Paris and Turkey and, and who knows what's next? Jesus, have you seen my own life very carefully? Jesus, have you seen what the job market's like? Jesus, have you seen me lonely at night? 
Still, the question persists. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Faith does not blind us to the storms. Faith makes us unafraid of the storms. In 1 John 1, 9, we are told the perfect love of God does what? That's the only way you're going to get rid of it. Only the love of God. When you are awake at night and your fears, when you are afraid to even look at the New York Times anymore, you're not ever going to be able to argue your way out of your fears because fear is not rational. Arguments are beside the point when you're afraid. You're not going to be able to work your way out of your fears because you're not a savior. At two in the morning, when you cannot sleep because of your anxieties, the only thing that's going to help is to get up and read the holy texts that renew you in the perfect love of God that cast out fear. Because the real storm that's most dangerous to you is not the one twirling around in our society, but the one that's ravaging your own heart. After the disciples saw what Jesus did to the storm, they, they asked the third question, which is just precious. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? Who is this Jesus? There was clearly more to him than the disciples knew. There's more to him then we know there's always more to Jesus than we know. You see, it was actually the disciples who were sleeping through this storm. They weren't paying attention to the Savior in the boat. The storm at least woke them up to the reality of a Savior who's on board. The Savior is on board, and he will rise up in the storms. When they saw that, we're told that their fear turned to great awe. Awe is the fear of God. It's the only fear that we're permitted. In fact, we're actually commanded to have it. That's because if we are not in awe of the Savior who is on board, we will be afraid of everything around us. And when you are paying attention to the one who is on your little ship, especially in the storms, you will fear nothing because there's a Savior on board. Ah. We fear God not because of his judgment or his anger. Frankly, we fear God because of God's love. This is no ordinary passenger who loves you. This is the Savior who will rise up. And when you attend to such gracious love in your own life, it overwhelms your mission of life. You will find that like the disciples, you will now be sent out to one storm after another. That's your mission, to enter the storms in this world as one unafraid, as one who can witness to the reality that a Savior will rise up. But you're going to be useless to that mission until you deal 
with the fear in your own heart. Be in awe of the Savior. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.